Welcome to Synergy Church. Uh, we are in week five of a series called That's What He Said, and we're looking at scriptures that are recorded in the Bible uh, that share with us words of Jesus. And uh, a lot of the words, if you've read a lot of the Bible that Jesus spoke, aren't necessarily easy to put into practice, easy to accept. They definitely don't feel natural a lot of the times. And so uh, we've been looking at that over the last four weeks. This is week number five. And so uh, let me just kind of warn you before we jump into what we're going to talk about today, that today's topic is one that's probably going to affect us all. And uh, it's one that you're going to hear the topic and you're just instantly going to be like, oh, this might hurt, but it's not going to hurt much. Go with me if you have a Bible to Matthew chapter number seven. If you don't have a Bible, not a problem. We're going to have the scripture on the screen for you. And I'm going to read through these words of Jesus and then we'll come back and and kind of talk through them and make them make a little bit of sense. Matthew chapter number seven, starting in verse number one. Jesus says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, we all at times make judgments about people, about decisions, about things. We all at times feel judged by others' opinions and words that they speak toward us. Excuse me. So when we hear this topic today, some of us immediately think, oh gosh, he's going to talk to me today. And others of us, you tend to think, I wish so-and-so were here because they really need to hear this. (laughs) Yep. Uh, So some of you are here today. I wish they were here because they need to hear this. And so I just want to say today, this is for all of us, including those who aren't here. You can share the podcast with them. Uh, But judging one another, judging others is something that feels natural because we have our own moral compass that we see life through. And so when we see people do things that are contrary to our moral compass, to things that we think are right or should be done in a certain way, then we immediately throw up red flags and say, that's incorrect, that's bad, that's, you know, whether we say that's evil or what. Sometimes in our heart we make judgment, sometimes out loud we speak judgments to other people, but we can all relate to being and feeling judged by others. That there's been those decisions that we've made and we know we've screwed up, we know we've done wrong, and someone always wants to remind us of it. Sometimes it's years later, sometimes it's weeks later, but words that people speak to us affect us. And I think that when we talk about this topic of judging one another, it's easy for us to focus on someone else judging us and thinking in our mind, because we've felt judged by people, This is for someone else. And it's easy for us to think, man, they need to hear this. In fact, you might be sitting beside someone right now that you're like, I hope they're listening. I hope they listen today. And and I just want to kind of help us all together, collectively yet individually, kind of shift our focus to our own hearts and our own practices and our own perception of other people and the way we view them and the way that we speak about them and speak to them and think about them. uh, Because... This is a, a passage that Jesus says that's not like, 
It's not like optional for Christians. Like if you want to follow Christ, uh, I realize that there may be some of you who don't claim to follow Christ, but if you do, then Jesus, his words to you are, do not judge. And then he correlates the measure that you use to judge other people to the measure of judgment you will receive one day. At the end of the day, there's going to be a judgment, and you're going to be judged, and I'm going to be judged. Uh, We're not exempt from that. No matter what we do in this life, we'll be judged. Some of us will be judged for our actions that we've done, but some of us will be judged from our heart condition. But while we're here on this earth, we all judge people. And and this is something that we need to kind of get a, a grasp on and kind of figure out. You say, well, I don't think people judge people as, as much as you think they do. And I mean, the fact is, is I have conversations over and over with people when I tell them about our church and they just say, some of their first questions just indicate to me that their experience with church has been based on people making judgment calls or statements about them. And people say things to me like, well, do you guys let people come to your church if they have tattoos? And I'm like, no, like we check people at the door. You know, I'm like, what do you mean? You mean you've been to a church before and you've had a tattoo and they've told you you couldn't come to church there? Because to me, that just feels super like strange and crazy and like, who would do that? That doesn't even really make sense. And yet people feel condemned and judged by people in the church and it just shouldn't be that way. And so on one hand, there's this life mentality that I think is one extreme that says we're to like hold everyone accountable to our standards that we claim for ourselves. And if people don't meet those standards, then we need to let them know about it. And we can get way out of hand on that. And then on the other side of the spectrum, there's people who they hear this scripture and they use it out of context to tell people like, well, don't judge me. Like you live your life, I'll live mine and don't worry about what I do. Have you ever met people like that? Well, you just, you don't worry about me. You live your life, I'll live mine. Don't try to impose your standards on me. Like, you're not my dad, you're not my God, which is probably both true statements. So when we hear this verse of scripture, we have to kind of reconcile, you know, what's our role in judging people or not judging people and and what's the balance in that. And, And hopefully today we can walk away and kind of, find that balance and and understand this scripture a little more. Judging people is a heart condition. Let's just start with that. Okay, it's not necessarily something that you say. Okay, you can judge people without ever saying a word. You can judge people without ever telling anyone that you judge people because it's a condition of your own heart. And so you may see someone do something, say something, make a decision, uh, something that's contrary to the way you would do something or the moral compass that you've adopted. And in your heart, it's easy for you, it's easy for me to look at people and have a perception and have a judgment call on their life. And what that does is it arrogantly puts us in the place of God. It's like we're assuming God's role that we know for them what's right, what's wrong. And sometimes we feel like it's our job to kind of Lord over them and, and remind them that they're not perfect. The problem is, is Jesus in this passage really points out that none of us are perfect. In fact, when we try to find imperfections of others, more than likely, there are bigger imperfections in our own lives. Maybe not in the same stream or avenue that we're judging them for, but it's difficult for us to try to assume the role of God and judge people when, let's just be honest, we're imperfect people. 
And, and we all have our own screw-ups one way or another. I was watching a couple of weeks ago a, a new movie that's out called Captain Phillips. If any of you have seen it, it's extremely intense movie. Uh, if you'll remember several years back, there was a story in the news where a captain, an American captain, was sailing a vessel around the Horn of Africa and pirates boarded his ship and took him hostage and it was just kind of a nightmare scenario. And the Navy SEALs actually rescued this man. It was an incredible story. So this movie was based on those actual events. Now, I can remember... When I first heard about that, I remember hearing in the news that there's pirates on a ship and, and thinking, first of all, like, that's crazy, there's really pirates out there. Like, I thought that was just in the movies. But um, the second thought that I thought was, you know, these are just evil people. Like, who would, who would do that and, and why would they do that? And in my heart, I just kind of felt like, you know, they just need to be, like, they need to be taken out. Like, they just need to kill them off and, and be done with them. But one of the things that I walked away from this movie really grasping and it just really hit home with me aside from the fact that Navy SEALs are studs and it's incredible what they can do is the condition that these pirates lived in on a regular basis. These weren't just common average ordinary men that decided one day, hey, there's a ship, we can go make some money off of it. But these were people who were really oppressed by a crime community and they were their lives were threatened that they didn't go out and overtake ships and bring back money to support this crime community then then they themselves would be executed and there was this intense pressure on them to do evil now you say well that doesn't make it right and no it doesn't I don't justify their actions they were wrong in what they did but it helped me to understand more of their heart that these weren't people that were just bored one day and said, oh, there's an opportunity for me to go and hold a gun to someone's head and take some money and, you know. These were people who were being forced to do things and living a life of oppression. Sad, sad. And I heard an interview with Tom Hanks where that was something that just really connected with him. Where he just, he said, you know, I had no clue what type of life that these men live that that boarded that ship, that they were simply trying to survive themselves and the way that they were trying to survive was to do something they were being forced to do and if they, they thought if they did it, then, then they would survive themselves. And so many times we make snap judgments about people without knowing their heart condition, without knowing their life situation, without knowing any background context for the why behind the what that they've done in life, and we just look at people and we see screw ups and we see failures and we see people who don't have their acts together and we see people who are hopeless and desperate and evil. I mean, we see lots of evil acts, but we don't know why they do some of the things they do. And not that that justifies it at all, but here's one thing about Jesus that made him stand out among people in his day is that he had a heart of compassion for people. See, when he looked on people who were hopeless and helpless, who were screw-ups and failures, he didn't see people who were screw-ups and failures. He saw people who needed to be rescued from some conditions that maybe sometimes were out of their control. But his first reaction was always compassion. And so many times our first reaction is anything but compassion. It's to make snap judgments, and to make statements and accusations and point out points of contention 
in people's life. And Jesus is saying, listen, if you want to follow me, let's keep in context that these statements were made as part of what's come to be known as the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is sitting down with his disciples and crowds have gathered around and he's teaching them what it means to to follow him and to please God. And he says to them, do not judge others or you too will be judged. It's almost like a commandment, like, like I know that you judge people and don't. So, so let's kind of clarify and, and, and just kind of clean with what it means to judge someone. And there's a story in Luke chapter number 7, starting in verse number 36, where uh, Jesus has been invited to the home of a religious leader for dinner. And so Jesus is here amongst these religious leaders. They were called Pharisees, and he's sitting with them at the table having a meal. And let's pick up in Luke chapter 7, verse number 36. It says, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life, okay, a woman who lived a sinful life. This would have been a woman who would have been known as a failure, a screw-up, however you want to classify her. She was known to be sinful. And when she, who lived a sinful life, learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume, which would have been probably her most prized possession. Verse 38, as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. I mean, this would have been like an outrageous display of affection, not sexual at all, but just this broken woman coming to someone she had heard could help her, could give her hope, and she comes in and just falls at his feet, and really it's an act of worship. She begins to cry, and she washes her feet with her tears and dries them with her hair, which was, in that day would have been considered uh, the glory of a woman, and so she would have taken the thing that was considered most glorious about her and she would have been wiping a man's feet with it and listen to the reaction of the pharisee when the pharisee who had invited him saw this he said to himself not out loud he didn't say hey jesus i need to make you aware of something just in his heart when he saw this happening this this woman this this unloved this woman who had some issues in her life, she comes into his house and begins to fall at the feet of Jesus and make this display during their dinner. He says, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Like that was his first thought. His first thought was, this guy claims to be God, but He's obviously not God because he has no clue who she is and what kind of issues that she has in her life. And he's letting her wash his feet. Like, what's this? There's no way that he's God. And in his heart, what's he doing? He's, he's actually assuming the role of God for this woman's life and saying that she is not worthy to do what she's doing. That she has no place among them. That she isn't really welcome because of her past and her present, and her condition, and the way she lives her life. He takes this arrogant approach to a view of this woman that Jesus kind of lets into him. Jesus actually perceived the thought of this Pharisee and begins to tell this parable about debts and who owes more. And, and if, if, if someone forgives a greater debt or a smaller debt, then who's to be more thankful. And the Pharisee says, well, the, the one that was forgiven the greater debt 
And he points out this woman, this woman has a greater debt. She has some issues that you might not have, but she appreciates what I have to offer her. And he begins to point out, listen, I came as a guest to your home. You didn't wash my feet, which would have been a sign of honor to have a guest. You would have washed their feet. You would have made them feel welcome and clean in your home. And Jesus, the son of God, shows up at these religious leaders' homes and they didn't even take the time to show him honor, yet someone who they thought shouldn't even be in the room showed more honor than the most religious among them. And Jesus points out, like, you just missed it. You have no clue. You have no clue that you think certain things about others, but you yourself are the one with the issue. And so many times we think we have things all figured out, and we're the ones that have the issues and we fail to see our own issues because we're so busy looking at other, everyone else's issues that we forget that we're not perfect people at all. And so we all, we judge people. It's, it's what we do. And so you say, well, if I'm not supposed to judge people at all, then sometimes I struggle with thinking, well, that means that I condone people's actions. And so if people do things that are contrary to what the Bible teaches, then I should just accept it and say it's okay. And that's not what Jesus is saying either. And so we need to kind of make a, a distinction here before we look at uh, some words that Jesus says. In the church, there are people who claim to follow Christ. Okay? Outside of the church, there are people who don't claim to follow Christ. Our role is not to judge people outside of the church at all. Jesus, in fact, says, do not judge them. Why would we impose a standard on people who don't even claim to follow and adhere to what we live by? Like if we've accepted and followed Christ and we believe that we should live according to what his word teaches and someone else doesn't, why, why should we hold them to a standard that we live according to when they're like, hello, like I never told you I wanted to follow that. Who are you to tell me that I'm wrong? I don't even care about what you're following. So inside the church, there should be a sense of caring for one another, encouraging one another, building one another up, strengthening one another. There should be, in fact, a lack of turning and tolerating open sin among us. Okay, so Jesus isn't saying here, like, this is everyone's get out of hell ticket for free, and you can just live any old way that you want to, and, and it doesn't matter, and all lifestyles are good. He's, he's not saying that at all. He's speaking to followers of Jesus. He's speak, speaking to his close followers, and he's saying to them, stop judging people outside of the church. Stop. Even people inside the church, if you're condemning them, if you're assuming the role of God, stop. Don't do that. But listen to what he says a few Verses later, down in Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 20, he's speaking again to the same crowd of people that he told, do not judge. And he says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly there are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do, not, do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, and a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire thus by their fruit you will recognize them so our role is not to be 
God, it's not to judge people, to condemn people for their failures, but our role is to be fruit inspectors. Our role is to make sure that, that there aren't false prophets or wolves, as scripture dictates, among us that are living openly sinful lives, that are misleading people, that are causing people to follow them into ways that aren't according to God's word. And in fact, we're to discipline people like that. You say, what do you mean discipline people? Let me, let me just give you an example. Let's say, for instance, that there's someone in our church and uh, there's someone who's committed to our church. They're here every week. They're involved in our church. They're connected. Uh, they feel like family among us. And let's just say that it's, it's a younger man. And let's just say that his, his parents are divorced. And let's say that his dad remarries. Okay? So now we have a young man with a father who's married to a woman that's not his mother. And let's just say... Somehow, for whatever reason, he gets so entangled in life and he's just kind of lost his way that he begins to have an affair with his father's wife, okay? In our hearts, most of us would say that's probably not a good thing, okay? Not judging or condemning anyone, but just saying it's probably not good for a man to be sleeping with his dad's wife, okay? Can can we just kind of agree? I don't know anyone like that. Um, if you're here like that, I'm sorry that there just happened to be an example like that. No one's condemning you. But if a man is sleeping with his dad's wife, and it's open, the church knows about it, and we just act like, well, it's not my job to judge anybody. Yeah, I shouldn't say anything. That's not good. In fact, that doesn't honor Christ, and it doesn't honor Jesus for us not to do that. In fact, that's actually a biblical example that the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest Christian leaders, dealt with at a church called Corinth. There was in 1 Corinthians chapter number 5, there was what I just described playing out. That there was a man sleeping with his father's wife, this incestuous relationship, and the church knew about it, and the church didn't do anything about it. The church just allowed it to happen, and they kind of turned their eyes from it, and they just... They allowed it to happen and stay amongst them. And listen to Paul's instructions to that church and what he says to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. He says, what business, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? But are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside, but listen to his instructions. Expel the wicked person from among you. Like if, like if there's someone living in a sinful, openly rebellious place and they refuse to change their ways and they're openly going to do that, then Paul's instructions are, like if they're not going to change and they're going to keep living that lifestyle, then you should, his words are, kick them out of the church. You say, well, that feels very, very judgmental. And didn't Jesus say not to judge people? And we've got to understand the heart of this example, okay? This example is based on Paul, who wasn't in Corinth, getting word that this was happening. So this wasn't like, you know, someone had an affair, someone made a mistake, they screwed up. And this wasn't like a church isn't supposed to be loving to them. This isn't like the church isn't supposed to be there for them when they need them the most, okay? 
This church, just so you know my heart, would never be a church that would just say, hey, you made a mistake, you're out of here. Unless when people came to you and said, hey, listen, I don't know if you know this, but if you sleep with your dad's wife, that's not biblical. And we want to just ask you to possibly consider like stopping that. That would probably be a good thing. Like, just want you to know, like, maybe you didn't know, but now, now you know, like, sleeping with your dad's wife is not good, so could you please stop that? And if their response was, no, I think she's hot, man. I mean, it's working out for me. And you're like, yeah, but I know, but, like, in our church, like, we're trying to follow what Christ teaches, and, like, you should know that that's something that the Bible would categorize as sin, and she, you shouldn't do that. And they're like, dude, I'm just telling you, man, like, it's just working out. Like at that point where you realize that there's such a rebelliousness that's affecting the church and they're refusing to follow where the church is going, then at that point there would be like a disciplinary like, you know, well, if that's, if that's going to be your stance, then we're going to have to, like with a heavy heart, say like you probably can't, you shouldn't come here. Like you should probably find another church and hopefully they can help you more than we have, but that can't happen. And so if we're not careful, if we take this to the extreme and say that we're not to judge people, so therefore we just let people do anything they want and we accept it as if it's normal and acceptable, then what we find and what we'll experience is a lack of direction towards where Christ is leading us as a church. And so there's no condemnation for anyone. There's no sense of us saying, you're condemned but there's a sense of extending grace to people and wanting people to see God's best for them. And so we should watch out. I mean, it's possible for people to come in with their own agendas into a church and want to mislead the church. And, and the only way that Jesus teaches us to we're, that we're to know if they're worth leading is to inspect their fruit, is to look at their actions, is to see if what they're teaching and how they're living and what they're doing in their life is lining up with what God's word teaches. Outside the church, they don't claim to be Christians. We don't judge them at all. I mean, why should we? I mean, what, what, what good is it to try to hold people to a standard that they never claim to follow? Inside the church, we should inspect fruit. And I would just say, for me, if I were involved in something sinful, and somehow just got tangled up in something and you knew about it and you just kind of turned a deaf ear and you never said anything and you allowed me to keep living in sin, then I would feel like you didn't love me, that you didn't care about my well-being, that you just kind of felt like, well, you know, you live your life and I'll live mine. And we're called to love one another. We're a family. We build one another up. So these, these words are, are difficult, but here's... Here's the truth that we have to walk away with is that what Jesus is asking us to do is to refrain from pretending that we're perfect enough and have things together enough to make a judgment about someone else in our imperfections about their spiritual condition. Don't do it. And he gives us this, this hyperbole, this this metaphor, this exaggeration, where he talks about seeing a speck in someone else's eye and failing to see a plank in your own eye. Have you ever, have you ever been at dinner with someone 
and you had something in your teeth and you found out about this after you left the dinner, you've been there, and you're like, they didn't say anything about the food that was in my teeth, and now I'm embarrassed that I had a whole conversation over a meal with something in my teeth, okay? Now, now let's think about it this way. Let's think about me just being the, the messiest eater you've ever met, okay? And let's just say that you and I are we're eating a meal together, and I have like barbecue sauce running down my chin. I mean, my shirt's stained. I have stuff in my teeth, corn on the cob. It's just like hanging on my teeth. And I'm just, I'm happy that night. So I'm smiling a lot as I'm talking. And, and you're like not saying anything because you don't want to hurt my feelings. And like I've scratched my head and I've got barbecue sauce up on my forehead and in my hair. And, and you're looking at me like, dude, you have some eating issues. Like, how do you not know that your face is covered? That's ridiculous. And then I have the audacity to look at you and say, oh man, you got, you got some pepper right there in your teeth. And you're like, what? What'd you say? Like, dude, you got, you got right there. You got some pepper right there in your teeth, and you're like, okay. No, it's still there, man. Like, and I'm making a big deal about it. This is what this is what Jesus is saying to us. It's like we make a big deal about something in someone else through the lens of failing to see that we are jacked up beyond repair, really. That we have so many issues that we overlook in telling someone about something that's sometimes insignificant in their own life. We care more about their pepper than our whole face being crazy. And it would be like if a two-by-four could fit in our eyes, us walking around with a two-by-four in our eye and pretending that with a two-by-four in our eye that we could see a speck of sawdust in someone else's eye. And then have the audacity to say, dude, that's got to hurt, man. You sawdust all in your eye. Like, you need to get that out, man. And you're like, <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense. So here's, here's our challenge. Here's, here's, here's what I want us to, to walk away from this thing with. First of all, knowing we're not God, okay? We can't judge people. That's not our job. Jesus never endowed us with the gift to condemn people to hell, to judge them. That's, that's his job. Would you, just, let's, would you just hold up a thumb out, like you extend your arm and hold your thumb up? I want you to look at, your, look at your thumbnail, okay? Now, I want you to line your thumbnail up with my head so that you can't see my head, okay? There's some of you just disappeared. Yep, you're gone, Okay? Now, your thumbnail obviously isn't as big as my head, but because you're looking at it in the angle you are, you can't see my head, right? Your thumbnail seems small, but yet you're making it big. Now, if you bring your thumbnail up to your eye, you'll see that now your thumbnail looks really big. So what's in actuality somewhat small is big if it's applied here, and here's Here's our challenge. You can put your thumbs down. It's for us to stop holding our thumbs out at other people and making their heads disappear. And it's for us to start examining our thumbnail for imperfections and saying, yeah, I need to, I need to get rid of that. I need to focus here on these imperfections 
And I need to get that dirt out from under there. I need to file that. I need to trim that. And focus so much on our imperfections that we're not trying to make people's heads disappear. Some of you do it like that. Shouldn't do that. Sorry. Does that make sense? Stop worrying about people's speck of sawdust and start trying to find that plank in your eye. Stop worrying so much like your mom used to tell you about your brother and your sister and what they're doing wrong and you let them be the parent and start worrying about yourself and the fact that you're not doing what you're supposed to do. And start bringing that thumbnail closer to yourself and start saying, what in my life can I fix? What in my life is jacked up? And if I'll do that, then I'm not focused at all on the small imperfections of others. I think that's what Jesus is asking us to do here, is to stop focusing on the negative things of others and start understanding that we have planks in our eyes. And the measure that we use in judging other people is a measure that we'll be judged with one day. And that's a sobering thought when I think of a lot of the thoughts that I have about people. It's a sobering thought that, that I should see someone's actions and my first reaction should not be Ah, they're screw-ups. But it should be a heart of compassion. Yeah, I can remember that Yeah, I've got some issues too. I've got some issues too. So here's, here's how I want to end our time together. I want to end our time together with, with giving you some social media fuel. If you're on Twitter, if you're on Facebook, I'm going to give you an opportunity here to tweet something to update a status that will say something that technically you could take back, but you shouldn't, that just lets people know that you learned something today. Can we do that? So here's, here's a tweet for you. You can pull the phone out. If you're on Twitter, you can tweet it. If you're on Facebook, you can update a Facebook status. If you want to make a note and go home and think about it, I don't know if I want people to know that I want to kind of make this stance right now. But here's, here's why I want us to leave with this thought. My default should be grace, not putting others in their place. I thought that was pretty good. I actually came out with that on my own. My default should be grace. My default shouldn't be putting others in their place. Think, think about that. And before you tweet it, think about that. Before you update your status. Is that what's, if that's what you're striving for? I mean, do you want that to be reality for you? Or do you just so enjoy judging others and putting them in their place. Is that what kind of fuels you in life? My default should be grace, not putting others in their place. And I know some of you love hashtags. I know, I know you like to tell stories through your hashtags. So, so here's some hashtags for you, okay? You can add these, you can pick and choose if you want. Hashtag number one, I am not God. People will like that. Yeah, they'll click like, yep, yep. You might even get some comments from some people that you've not been extending grace to and you've been putting them in their place and they may say, yeah, I wish that you would have you know, owned that a little while ago. So it's, this could be dangerous. I'm asking you to be vulnerable here. Hashtag number one, I am not God. Hashtag number two, worry about my own place. Stop worrying about putting others in their place. I need to worry about my place. Hashtag number three, that's what he said. That's, what, that's, that's Jesus' words. Okay, we're just owning them. We're just putting them 
into practice. And, and the last hashtag, help please. Just admitting to people I struggle with this. Sometimes I'm more worried about putting others in their place than extending grace. Sometimes that's my default. And so I just kind of like, like to throw in there a little. I'm not saying that because I'm perfect in that area. I'm saying that because that's my goal, that's my aim. And I'd like you socially through media to hold me accountable to that. Does that make sense? Do you understand what Jesus is saying here? He's saying, listen, you are not perfect. You're not God by any means. And it is not your role to judge others. And when you have a tendency to judge others, you need to change that. You need to repent. You need to stop doing that. Because just so you know, there, there's a big plank in your eye. And you're so focused on a, the sawdust that you're missing it. You're missing it all together. And you're like the Pharisee sitting at the table worried about some woman that shouldn't be there when you yourself are so much further than Jesus than that woman is. And we extend grace. And we believe that there's hope for everyone. And we don't write people off because of a choice or a mistake or a past. But we love everyone to Jesus and believe that he can bring hope to their life. My default should be grace, not putting others in their place. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to just listen to your words, to, to be challenged if we're being honest that, that we are far from perfect in this area and we have a tendency to desire to be God for people. And we desire to treat them the way we want you to treat them at times. Thank you for the reminder that you don't treat people the way we would treat people if we were you. And you didn't treat us that way. And because you didn't treat us that way, we have hope for life. That you didn't hold our sins against us. That you didn't hold our past against us. But you loved us through our mess enough to just trust you to bring life to our lifeless bodies. And I ask you, Father, to help us. Help us to... Give people grace by default and worry about our own place, worry about our own issues and really try to fix those issues and stop overlooking them because comparing them to others, they don't seem significant to us, but they're significant to you. And so as a church, we ask you to, to give us a grace and a mercy and a boldness and a courage not to be a judgmental church, not, not to turn people away because of a past or a mistake but in the same right to, to judge fruit and not overlook and not, not dishonor people by allowing them to openly live in, in sinful situations and not caring about them enough to have an awkward conversation we don't condemn people, we love people and sometimes loving people is difficult and we ask you to give us a grace in that help our default to be grace and not putting others in their place and we thank you for that in Jesus name amen